When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the WFNY Cornercast, a podcast that takes an in-depth look at the Cleveland Guardians baseball team and farm system. Presented to you by the WaitingForNextYear.com network of podcasts. Here are Gerbs, Mitch, and Ethan. Welcome to the WFNY Cornercast, brought to you by the Evergreen Podcast Network. Today is May 25th. We are actually recording during a game. I am Joe Gerbs Gerberry alongside Ethan tonight. And before I toss it over to Ethan, uh, I just wanted to make a, a statement. Um, and being the owner of Waiting for Next Year, um, you can put whatever weight you want on uh, the statement. Uh, last week, we did not record a podcast. Uh, it was the first time since uh, a couple weeks before the season started that we hadn't recorded something. Um, and I th- think I speak for both Ethan and Mitch and uh, myself, obviously. I say that we probably could have mustered through uh, and gotten one together. But to be completely transparent, I was not having a great mental health day. Um, and I think it's important to mention that um, in spite of everything going on in this world, everything that's been happening, um, it's okay to not be okay. It's okay to take a step back and be honest with yourself. I needed a day. Mitch and Ethan needed a day. Mitch is actually still needing a day. Um, finals are coming up. Uh, and so we were able to take one last week. Mitch is able to take one today. Um, more importantly than anything, uh, take care of yourself out there, everybody. Take care of your loved ones because you don't know how many tomorrows you were promised. Um on behalf of myself, on behalf of Ethan, half of the whole Waiting for Next Year uh, team, um, our hearts go out to the parents and the families of uh, those affected by the Uvalde uh, shooting. Um, and when I say that we are praying for you, you have my absolute promise that we are praying for you. Um, enough is enough, and something desperately needs to change. Okay. So we are through with the deep, dark stuff, the meaningful stuff. Let's get to some baseball. We are actually recording while a Guardians game is going on. Uh, Ethan, uh, glad to be back on here with you. How was your uh, how's your week off last week? You know, it was kind of nice, mostly just because there wasn't a ton of baseball. Right. And... That also helped with the ability to take a week off because it felt like the Guardians had taken a week off. I think they it was played like three games. Yeah, they, they did between postponements. And everything else, they were uh, there were the scheduling changes and, and and all that kind of stuff. There was there wasn't too many games for us to actually talk about. So yeah, we might have had just... less content than an Alpalowski and a Jensen Lewis post game show. It was just, Oof. yeah, that's I a, went there. There's a low blow that I don't. That's not great. Uh, we're not gonna edit it out though. We'll leave it on. That's fine. Um, <laughs> oh, but um, we also want to make sure that you guys know uh, that uh, we have the uh, deal going on with BreakingTea.com. 
Uh, you go to breakingtea.com backslash WFNY. Uh, that will take you straight to the Cleveland collection of T-shirts and uh, gear that Breaking Tea has. Uh, you can find Guardian stuff there, Cav stuff, Brown stuff. Um, I keep, in my head, I keep making sure they say Guardians. And I keep thinking that there's a different name for Cavs and Browns, and there's not. There's just the Cavs and the Browns. But I keep wanting, in my head, to say something different. But um, we are... We uh, on uh, on the site there. Breaking Tea has great shirts. Uh, I am currently wearing my Jose 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 shirt. They have a Josh Naylor shirt that I have uh, queued up, marked down, uh, saving for in my Digit app. Uh, but great shirts, great stuff on there. Uh, quality, um, quality shirts and, and great designs. So make sure you check that out. Go to breakingtea.com backslash wfny. And I, like I said, they'll take you straight to the Cleveland collection. So, I've been told with one more rain delay, we might get ourselves a Dalpar three thousand T-shirt. <laughs> that sounds about right. Probably could uh, Cleveland versus the uh, the radar, and uh, we'd be losing, I think, by seven or eight seven or eight runs on that one. So constantly, that's a never-ending battle, right? <laughs> um. Time and weather are things that we were are, always are going to win. So, um, all right, let's get to some news and notes. Uh, it's like I said, it's been a couple weeks since we've recorded, um, and uh, this really shouldn't be news. But um, guys, Jose Ramirez is really, really good. Um, if there's a if if there's a MVP in the bunch, it's of this uh, lineup, it is absolutely Jose. I really don't know who else would be mentioned at this point in the MVP race, um, at least in the AL. The the rest of the hitters just... I, I, I know it's a bias, so I, I, I say with the, all of this with with that heavy bias on it, but you can't make the argument that Jose is any better, any worse of a candidate for MVP than anybody else. Uh, league leader in RBI, which flaws that whatever... Um, second lowest K rate in the K percentage in the league, uh, 8.2, uh, followed closely by, uh, one Steven Kwan, uh, who has an 8.4 K percent, uh, fifth in home runs. He hasn't hit one tonight yet. Uh, and fourth in WRC plus all of these numbers are going into tonight. Um, but he has a WRC plus, um, on the season for, of 191, which, uh, as Mitch actually described this pretty well in our uh, private side discord. So not for public consumption, but um, for those that are trying to get a idea of what uh, WRC plus would mean, uh, think of a hundred as a league average player. That means that Jose is outpacing the league average player by 91%. That's absolutely crazy. So um, Ethan, anything you want to talk about about, uh, on Jose, other than uh, he's just the goat, he's absolutely the uh, the best thing since sliced bread. I'm gonna put my bias aside for a second and say that both Gerbs and I are aware that Mike Trout is ridiculous and in under 40 games has put up three FWAR and is back to vintage Mike Trout. I don't acknowledge that. He's West Coast, so he doesn't exist. California is not right. real. Don't Neither are the that. birds. So Jose is the greatest thing since sliced bread. But I, I think what's most incredible about him is that the entire lineup is still kind of iffy. And we've hit on this point each of the last three podcasts, it feels like. 
to get Jose going, you need to get the rest of this lineup going because nobody's going to pitch to him if the guys around him aren't hitting. Well, the guys around him still aren't hitting, and Jose somehow was only hit 235 in the month of May, but he's got almost a 3-to-1 walk-to-strikeout ratio. It feels like every opportunity somebody does pitch to him, he hits it out of the park right now. And I really don't know what more you can ask the man to do other than just be patient and hope somebody gets it going. Because, you know, he's, he's still putting up ridiculous numbers with guys basically just not wanting to face him. He's, he's getting the very Bonds treatment half the time, just being pitched around. Yeah, today he, uh, tonight's game, he was pretty much taken off the uh, the board un- like, until um, the sixth inning. Uh, Ahmed Rosario, who's been moved up to the two-hole, um, got a single, so they had to give. They, they didn't have first base open. Jose rips a double. Somehow Ahmed doesn't get, uh, doesn't score on it. But um, yeah, I mean, they've been just yesterday, case in point full. We, we tweeted out the video of it. He worked so, so hard against Framber Valdez. One of the toughest left-handers in the league got a 13, uh, 12 or 13. I don't remember. It was one of the two, 12, 12 pitch at bat to start the game. Uh, and just launched a home run into the uh, the Crawford boxes in in left field in Houston. Um, there's very few people that are able to do what Jose is able to do with a bat, and uh, I am eternally grateful that uh, I get to be on this planet at the same time that Jose is on my favorite team, and uh, that we get to watch this day in and day out. And if you don't love him for what he does on the field and with a bat in his hands, love him for the fact that he wears a chain of himself showing off his own chain. That's it. You couldn't, you couldn't write a character like Hollywood. Hollywood is scared to write a character who wears a chain of, of himself wearing a chain. That that's, you can't just make that up. That's a, those are, those are things that actually happen. So, um, but yeah, oh, Jose's Jose's good. News and notes. There we go. That's what we got for you. There. That's gonna, breaking. You're hearing it here first breaking, on the WFM. Breaking news: Jose Ramirez is good at baseball. You heard it here first. He's been around for eight years, and he's just now good. <laughs> just now, he signed that extension for what? Who knows why? But. Um, more news and notes. Uh, we have some roster stuff that happened. Uh, Josh Naylor came back. Uh, from the COVID list this week, uh, Richie Palacios moved down to Columbus. I think it was actually on Sunday that this all happened. Um, Luis uh, Oviedo got uh, DFA'd, and then within the next last two days, actually got outrighted to Columbus. Um, and then uh, today, just before the game, we found out that uh, Daniel J- Johnson got traded to the New York Mets for cash. I don't know if he got uh, assigned to their minors or if he's with their major league club, if he's on their 40 man or anything like that. I know he was off the 40 man in Cleveland, I believe, but um, that was a, uh, that's a move. Um, anything out there stick to you. Palacios moving back to Columbus, Oviedo moving back to Columbus, Daniel Johnson moving out, anything there that you're interested on. We'll, we'll touch on Savali going to the IL in the pitching segment. So I just want to touch on these three, anything there for you, Ethan? 
Yeah, there are two things here for me. The first is that I would much rather have Richie Palacios on the roster right now than Yu Chang, who was also back from COVID. I think he's only appeared once or twice, but he is back with the big club. Um, and and frankly, I I don't know what you're supposed to do with you. Um, he's been he's been bad when he's been healthy. So he's been it's, he's been what I what I prescribed as yesterday in our private side uh, break glass in case of emergency type of a player where it, you don't want to have to use Yu Chang and if that's all he's going to be I'd much rather give those at-bats to Ernie Clement. I'd much rather give those at-bats to Richie Palacios. I'd much rather give those at-bats to Tyler Freeman. You know, yeah. I mean, I want, to, I want Tyler Freeman to play more frequently, but there's just a redundancy with Yu Chang on this roster that there's no real reason for him to be here. Um, yeah. Aside he's from emergency over, first baseman or something. He's 0 for 10 with seven strikeouts and with the reemergence of Owen Miller's bat, which we knew existed from his time in the minors. There's, yeah, like you said, it's absolutely redundant to carry Owen Miller, Josh Naylor, Yu Chang, and Ernie Clement on the same roster. So. If we can get Freeman up here faster, if we can get Palacios back, I, I would much rather have any of those choices. But I, I'm actually really happy to have Luis Oviedo back in the organization. If you guys are listening to this and thinking that that name sounds familiar, uh, Oviedo, two years ago, was actually uh, a top 30 prospect in the Indi- then Indians Guardians uh, farm system. And he was actually taken in the Rule 5 draft by the Pittsburgh Pirates. Um he went up and showcased what he was known for, but he was definitely not ready. I think he was poached from Double A Akron was the highest level he'd been at when the Pirates took I him. I believe so. Yeah, I don't think he. he I don't think he made it to Columbus. Yeah, he um, he didn't handle that jump from Double A to the majors all that well, uh, and the Pirates DFA'd him last week, which put him on the waiver wire. So Cleveland was quick to scoop him back up. Uh, they. DFA'd him once he came into the system. He passed their waivers successfully and is now back in AAA Columbus, where he probably belongs at this stage in his development. So just another eye uh, for a potential bullpen arm in the near future to keep an eye on. But a guy that I'm happy to see back in the system. Yep. Whenever we, uh, whenever the team finally cuts the umbilical cord on Branshaw, Oviedo might be a, a name that you uh, hear on that one. So umbilical cord probably isn't the right one on Brian Shaw. What would... Uh, What's the what's the, the Benjamin Button umbilical cord? I was gonna say, is it the oxygen mask on Brian Straw? Is that what uh, just take the? Uh, I think we just give him his AARP card. Just go, just go, just just hope you go peacefully into the night, Brian Shaw. We love you, but and you did great things a couple years ago, but um, I, I, it's 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 getting about that time. So about that time, uh, let's talk hot and cold streaks. Um, the top of the lineup just, it seems to be a little, uh, to use a, uh, I believe it's Gen Z uh, term, a little sus right now. Um, and that you can cringe as much as you want on that one. I cringe saying it. So, but oh. um, Stephen Kwan and Miles Straw, um, very, very weirdly, have nearly identical uh, batting lines in the month of May. Uh, both are, have posted a 194 average. Uh, Quan has a 66 WRC plus, 0.255 uh, weighted on base percentage or average. Um, Miles has 
again, a 194 average, uh, 68 WRC plus, and a 0.257 WOBA. Both of these are all just in the month of May. Um, as I as I mentioned, Quan is still not really striking out much. He his his K rate is right up there along with uh, Jose's, right near the top of the league um, as third. So he he's not he's not striking out. He's just not getting the same kind of contact that he was, or uh, if he is getting it, he, if he is hitting the ball, it's not, it's not the same to be as hard as what it was. Miles is still doing well with the walk rate. He's actually got a better walk rate than uh, Jose. Um, I was looking and I think Jose's 30th in the league, both Quan and miles are, uh, are better than him on the walk rate side, at least. Um, Ethan, are you seeing anything, identifiable with Quan and or Miles as to why uh, May seems to have been such a hard month for these guys. Because we're, I mean, we're at the, we're, it's May 25th. We've gotten pretty much a, a, a fairly decent sample because both these guys have, aside from random mental health days, they've been playing every day. Um, are we, uh, so the, when I say like, you know, generally you don't want to take a month and, and section it out from uh, itself, but you know, these are, are pretty worthy numbers of, of being looked at here. So I'm not seeing anything on the eye test that really has me concerned, right? Like these guys aren't doing something terrible with their approaches. These guys aren't doing, uh, you know, something unforgivable in the batter's box that's really causing them to have issues. But, you know, on, on one hand, in the first couple days weeks of the season you saw what Stephen Kwan was at his best which is this crazy hand-eye coordinated draws walks doesn't strike out doesn't swing and miss gets on base you know that that was him at peak peak performance he may never have a stretch like that again in his career but on the flip side what's happened is for a guy with no power you're seeing the complete opposite end of the spectrum. So what we saw as fans the first 15 days of the season was basically the top of Mount Kilimanjaro. Now what you're seeing as far as what Quan's capable of is Mariana's Trench. This is extreme bad luck to ridiculous degrees, and it happens. It's strange that it's happening to the team's pretty much cemented one and two hitters in the exact same way at the exact same time. But put it this way, Quan, he's still got an 8.4% strikeout rate, which is third in baseball, right behind our very own Jose Ramirez. But in March and April, he hit 354 with a 386 BABIP. And BABIP's the one that we've talked about pretty extensively. It's batting average on balls in play. It kind of showcases some luck that Quan was having some above average luck. Nothing crazy. It did suggest some regression, but nothing as extreme as he's experienced because now in the month of May, he's hitting 194 and his BABIP is 196, which means he is popping up or hitting the ball right at guys. But this is the issue with a guy like Quan, who, when he was playing really well in March and April, had a 146 ISO, which is isolated power. And that's really just a, a fancy way of saying, yeah, this guy's getting 
you know, balls out of the park. He's hitting doubles to the wall, all that stuff. In May now, it's down to 0.065. So any power that he was having has just vanished. And when he does hit the ball, it's right at somebody. So this is Franmeal styles of terrible, terrible luck of, you know, it's... No, By the yeah, end you're of the season that this team is going on. It may be the most bizarre string of luck that I can imagine for more than four players. Between Fran Meal, every barrel that Ahmed Rosario has recorded this season has resulted in an out. I think he's up to five or six. I was say, I, I remember seeing that from uh, from former WFF Wire Gage uh, Gage Will that he's over five on barrels this year. Yeah, and they're all outs, a couple of double right. plays, a couple right at guys. And now between Quan and Straw, and it, it's a very similar thing with, with Straw. His his BABIP uh, dipped from 365 in March and April to 228 now in May. He's still working counts. He's still drawing walks. His strikeout rate hasn't changed anything more than normal. And when he gets on base, he's still stealing bases. But it's just one of those things where when you have two guys at the top of the order who have no power when they get into spells like this where they just hit the ball right at guys, they're not going to hit that slump-busting double or home run that a lot of guys get. They need to work on their approach. They need to be a little bit more patient, take the ball the other way. We hear that with Franmio a lot. Right. So it, it's so strange that it's happening to these two guys who are so similar at the exact same time. Right. But I don't think it's anything that they're doing physically or anything systemically that the coaching staff is asking them to do that's causing it. It is just freakishly bizarre luck hello and welcome to novel conversations a podcast about the world's greatest stories i'm your host frank lavallo and for each episode of novel conversations i talk to two readers about one book and together we summarize the story for you we introduce you to the characters we tell you what happens to them and we read from the book along the way so if you love hearing a good story, you're in the right place. Our ninth season is coming this fall. Tune in to hear from some of the all-time great authors, Charles Dickens, Jules Verne, F. Scott Fitzgerald, and more. Subscribe to Novel Conversations wherever you listen to podcasts. Yeah, we're just seeing a little bit of cluster luck here for these guys. Um it is, it, it, and as you said, it, it it does, it does suck that it's happening at the same time for both of them. Um, but I made mention of this to somebody uh, uh, in my personal life. Uh, this, just how this lineup is built. Um, there are no, I mean, uh, Ramirez is there and Fran Mill is there, but Fran Mill is one out of nine bats, uh, and maybe you can maybe qualify Josh Naylor here. But there's just no big boppers in this lineup. This lineup is built in such a way, and we've talked about endlessly that they are—they've built a contact team. They've built a team that's going to wear down starting pitchers that are going to uh, get to bullpens early and and prep that way. That's good if it's working. If it's not working, you don't have a three-run homer in your bag that you can get right back into, you know, you can win a game when your pitching is holding them to a, to, you know, a shutout or one run. 
there's no the 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 error bars are so much tighter when your team is a team that's built to contact that's built to have rallies and have big innings and things like that um there's just not as much of a ceiling on those lineups that's not to say that they can't be good um we are seeing you know i don't know where they're at runs per game at this point on the uh season but i mean they've been they were first place you know first in that stat for a while and um you know when when it gets when it gets cold it gets cold because there's nothing out there but when they're hot they're they're as hot as ever and um so it's just it 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 does speak to the fact that um you know i'm looking at kwan's uh fan graph page right now steamer has him projected as a for the rest of the season still even with as bad as he's been in may 129 wrc plus um 11.1 walk percentage 11.4 k percentage that those are both of those numbers are ungodly in today's game um well i should put last year's game this year's game's a little different because of the ball and and the stuff that they've done to it but um for this to be as bad as it is that's still a really high end player you know we we talk about uh league average bats and, and to have that as your baseline um because he was up near 130 ROS uh steamer projections ROS rest of season steamer projections as as recently as a week ago two weeks ago possibly that he was in the 130s um and now now down below 130 to 129 barely but i mean it, it, as bad as he's been he's still he's projected to be decent with how he's with with his approach so as you said there there's there's not really much that he needs to change except for maybe just find a rabbit's foot f- buy a mirror i don't know pay somebody back on something that you broke Jobu uh, needs a refill right, you know find, Eat a eat a whole chicken. I don't care what you got to do, even if it's a, a bucket. I, you know, um, but yeah, but this is a great the, time to remind our listeners that this is still the youngest team in baseball, for sure. Kwanzaa by a lot, year old, but by a lot. Close. Yeah, um, we had some fun debate on our internal side the other day. Uh, one of our site guys had overheard on the the broadcast. I think it was Tom Hamilton said that uh, Monday night's roster that Guardians roster was younger than every AAA roster in baseball that night. So put that in perspective, you're fielding a team younger than, you know, guys knocking on the door for the majors. I hadn't been able to confirm that one, but I will have to go back and look at it. But if that's true, that is a ridiculous stat. But Quan's a 24-year-old rookie. Andres Jimenez is a 23-year-old in his third season. Josh Naylor's 25. Jose still 29 right this team is going through some growing pains the vision and the blueprint are there we've seen it work at its best we've seen it in its deepest valleys it's just going to take time to find the consistency yep yep there's definitely some some 
there there is some silver lining on the clouds that are clouding it right now and and it's definitely the the youth that is here so uh speaking of silver linings and getting to uh the hot streak guys uh josh naylor is back and is doing josh naylor things as we established last time we talked josh naylor's name has to be said together you don't just call him josh you don't just call him naylor you call him josh naylor um I had his stats since he came back up. He had that big home run on, was it Monday? It wasn't last night. So it was Monday night. Um, but I think it was the only run of the game for the Guardians. Um, I, he's he's doing everything that he can. Um, even right now, as we are recording, he is on, uh, on second base with everyday Andres Jimenez uh, singling him to second base. Um, He's continually doing things. Um, is this a player that is showing up, uh, that is coming into his own? It, it is What is Josh Naylor able to do right now that, uh, or what is he doing right now that is giving the, um, giving the stats? What, what exactly is he doing that was different before uh, that, uh, you know, because I mean, it, People were questioning whether or not Josh Naylor belonged on this roster, whether he belonged in AAA when he came back from his injury, um, if he needed to be traded, if he was a part of this future at all. Um, and now he's looking like he's a cornerstone at first base. Um, what is what is he doing that's uh, that's working right now for, for Josh Naylor? Plain and simple, he's just putting the ball in play more. And for a guy with Naylor's profile, that's a fantastic thing. So just in general, he's making contact on 82.4% of his swings, which is pretty good. He's got a swinging strike percentage under 10%. So when he is swinging, he is not missing the ball. And why that's such a good thing for Naylor, and I'll give credit to our very own Michael Bodie for this one. He's told us all season long, all off season since I joined the site in January, that the key for Naylor was going to be finding a way to access the monstrous power that we all know he has and turn it into game power. Yeah, Fangraphs has him ranked as a 70-70 raw power with a 45-60 game power. So. Yeah. But he's got a 45-55 hit tool, so that was going to be the big thing. If you can't access that power, if you can't put the barrel to the ball and drive it, then you're going to have issues, and that power is going to be wasted. But Naylor, this season so far in a small sample size, has really figured it out. He's hitting 317. Uh, His ISO right now is absolutely ludicrous. Um, It's 268, his previous career best was his 2019 rookie season with the Padres at 154. Um, and when I say he's putting more balls in play and why that's a good thing for him, his strikeout rates down almost, almost 6%. If I'm doing my math right No, 5%. I'm sorry. This is why almost I five. do math for a living. Um, but that, you know, the walk rates the same as it was last year, 5.6%, nothing outrageous there, but he's slashing 317, 367 with a 585 slugging. And all of that with a 308 Babbitt, it doesn't suggest much regression to the mean. To the mean, it's just who he's been so far this season. Um, 
He's got a really solid line drive rate right now, a little bit over 21%, which is up over his career average. Um, he's still hitting a lot of ground balls, but they're getting through. He's finding ways to get on base and contribute and doing what he can. The real question with Naylor right now is going to be, is it sustainable? Like you said, they don't really have a bopper in the lineup right now with Fran Meal ice cold. And Naylor is kind of filling in for that. You know, he's not as prolific a home run hitter as Naylor or as uh, Reyes is when he's going, but he's doing pretty darn good. But what we're seeing is, at least for right now, for about a month and a half, Naylor has put it all together. And even if he's a streaky guy, you'll take this if it means him getting hot and doing this for a month at a time. Right, for sure. Um, and and it, it goes... I can't say it goes without saying because I'm about to say it. Um, his, his personality, I think, is one of those underlying things that is that doesn't get talked about enough when you when you consider who he is as a player um i i thought i thought it was perfectly josh naylor when anytime i saw a video of jose's home run the other day uh i think it was the one that he hit yesterday against framber naylor is at the top of the naylor i think naylor was off yesterday he was at the top of the steps rooting for him. They cut to him in the video when I uh, when I saw the home run. I was watching and the god awful Bally Sports app cut out on me as soon as it uh, he actually hit his home run. But when I saw the uh, the video from uh, the game film, Naylor's right on top on the on the top of the step cheering 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 Jose on as uh, as he's trotting around the bases and. and to me, that's as much that says as much as his bat does. That this is a guy that, you know, spent so much time last year rehabbing. Um, he's been super. Um, I don't say apologetic, but um, he he's been uh, just shying away from taking credit from from giving it to his uh, teammates. Uh, and trying to give it to, and, and pull the focus off of him and give it to them. And um, it, there has to be something there as well with um, having his personality and having his demeanor in the clubhouse and in the, in the, uh, in the dugout um, has to have, hopefully is changing some of these, uh, uh, well, changing some of these fortunes around. Um, and it needs to be mentioned. Uh, he has, as of today, as of right now, uh, ninety plate appearances on the season. He had two fifty last year. He's uh, surpassed his RBI total for last year, and uh, is almost very close to uh, surpassing his home run total or, uh, or meeting his home run total from last year. So um, he he's he's doing it. He's doing everything he can to try to put the uh, the team on his back and. Um, I I couldn't be more excited to be rooting for Josh Naylor. So, um, as I mentioned uh, before, Josh Naylor, the other guy that is uh, currently on base, moved up to third on a uh, ground ball to uh, actually, yeah, he's on. He moved up, uh, moved up to second base on a ground out by Stephen Kwan, and Josh Naylor scores on a wild pitch by Hector Neris. So the score now is a. Uh, Houston two, Cleveland one. 
Uh, Andres is now at third every day. Andres Jimenez, as uh, we have named him, I have named him. I claim it. I it's mine. I did it. Um, forces way into playing time. Um, with Naylor returning, uh, Andres Jimenez was seeing most of his time at second base while they used Ahmed Rosario at shortstop um, because they needed Owen Miller's bat at first. With Naylor back and with the an- with the ankle still being a little bulky um, and Naylor himself being a little bit uh, bulky uh, with a U, not an A, um, that moves Owen Miller and his bat over to second base, moves Andre to his more natural position at shortstop, moves Ahmed out to left field. Um, what uh, we, uh, we, we talk pretty much every week, I think we just have a segment called Everyday Andres on, uh, on the podcast. Um, what are you seeing? I know he had a day off yesterday when they were facing the tough lefty, which is what's going to happen there. Uh, Tito is very uh, platoon heavy and likes to keep uh, the lefties away from Andres. So as he doesn't hurt himself, I guess, I don't know. Um, is there anything that you are seeing out of on uh, Jimenez right now that is keeping that, that he's doing that we haven't talked about already? You can reiterate stuff if you want to. That's fine. If you want to keep talking about him, that's that's up. That's I'm okay with that because, uh, like I said, we I named him, and uh, just want to keep talking about him. Listen, I, I love the nickname. I've given you credit every step of the way on that one. As you yeah. should. I am the owner of the site, so you should give me the credit. You don't pay me to threaten me. I might. Who knows? Oh boy. All right. Well, I'm going to shut my mouth. Uh, no, uh, Andres is not done much different since we last talked um you know right around the time of our last podcast i did my it's time to talk about andres jimenez piece talking about how he's really bought into this new system of working on plate discipline of working on contact his line drive rate is still up he's still getting ahead in counts he's still working to get pitches that he likes to hit and still hitting them he's Dipped a little bit recently. His batting average is down to 290 entering tonight, but he's got a single. He's one for three tonight. So, you know, I'm not worried about him at all. I, he's He's got an identity at the plate now, which is nice for a 23-year-old. And it's something that is is phenomenal to see. He, he's had all of the tools. He's had all of the pieces. And I think people just kept forgetting how young he was when he came to Cleveland. And it, he just needed time. Um, you know, I dealt with somebody on another Discord server recently who was jumping down Jimenez's throat over, I think, striking out in a clutch situation with guys and runners or with runners in scoring position. And, you know, this team sucks. Andres sucks. Nothing about him is good. And just being like, okay, well, you know, the Cavs were a really young team, like this Guardians team, and just missed the playoffs. Is Darius Garland bad? Is the closest comparison I can think of. No. So Sorry. you just have to take the context and you know realize that he's still just 23. Yes, he's a three-year veteran of the league, but that does not make him a veteran of the game just yet. So he's still doing the right things up there. He hasn't gotten that many hits the last week or two, but I'm not worried about everyday Andres. And I'm thrilled to see him at shortstop. 
I think if the walks come a little bit more, which they will with his approach, I think he's going to climb up this lineup pretty quickly. Where would you... Um, we didn't talk about the lineup construction is a little is a little bit of a you you make what you want out of it, and, and some people some people will argue that you know there's no there's not much to it. There's some people that swear by it. Um, I had mentioned I I failed to mention Ahmed Rosario moved up to second. Um, Steve Kwan is batting usually around seventh or eighth now. Um, Andres has been batting around six, pretty much behind, uh, or seventh, six or seventh, right around behind, um, Fran Mil Reyes. Would you, is there a world where Andres is up at, uh, up in the, the number two slot, number three slot ahead of, uh, behind Jose? What does, what would he be able to provide by moving up that, the team is and any reason why the team is not doing it yet. I think where he's kind of a curveball. I just threw you. I apologize. I didn't have that on the rundown. So unfortunately, I, uh, I'm, I'm not really that bad against them. No. Um, good. Good. I think sixth with, with his current on base percentage, you know, he's doing a really good job of working counts. The walks will come, but I think right now sixth is a really good spot for him with how threatening his bat has been. Now, if I had it my way, and I was Terry Francona, and Stephen Kwan was slumping, I would much rather have Jimenez in the two-hole. He's got really underutilized speed that I think people forget about. He has the ability to steal bases, and I think if he gets on in front of Jose, he's a threat to steal a base and for Jose to drive him in, and he's... The way he's swinging a bat, if Straw leads off with a, a single and steals second, then he's just as likely to drive Straw in. So, you know, that's all circumstantial, of course, and I'm not an expert, but I say give him a chance, at the very least. This team's not competing this year. Why not try? Yeah, I can see I can see a world where that would happen. I, I, I like the idea of Jose betting second. I know he prefers to hit third, so he's going to hit third because Tito, you know, bows to his guys. Admittedly, you know, within reason, absolutely right to do that as such. Um, he knows them better than than we do, obviously. Um, so I don't want to get into the whole questioning uh, Terry Francona thing here, but um, I do like the idea of Jose hitting second, just that uh, that on-base percentage forcing them to make to give him pitches um and moving someone like Quan or Andres or Naylor up to third and, and allowing them to actually um work the the length of the lineup a little bit more um but again you, you can we can talk all day about lineup construction and 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 everything like that and there'll be the 67 year old guys reading the newspaper that want to see Jose hit in fourth because he's got the best, the most home runs in the roster. Um, and that's most always going to be eyes. So, that's the only stuff right. that matters, right? RBI, yeah, he's knocking the ball in, so he should be fourth, right? Because you can get a grand slam that way. Um, but if all the guys ahead of him aren't getting on base, anyway, I digress. So let's talk. Uh, we've we've talked enough about the hitters, uh, there, and we always end up talking more about the hitters than the pitchers. But uh, there's just more hitters. So um, 
let's go let's move to some pitching stuff um tristan mckenzie has uh i'll, I'll go and make the semi hot take uh that he's the staff ace now um he, he's been really settling into the role that uh bieber has has slightly left that door that door ajar um tristan's got a 20 to 6 uh k to walk rate right now in the last two starts um, he's really kind of settled into a rhythm of giving six or seven innings for uh, start. Um, that's what he's done the last three or four times out. Um, it seems to me, and this is purely anecdotal, um, I know that I've seen it a couple times, but I don't know if it's any kind of a game plan of his. Um, I know that there there have been problems with conditioning with him in the past where his fastball kind of tails off near the end of the game. Um but what I've seen a couple times, I I, I know, like I said, I, I I did not have the stats to back this up. Didn't look that deep into it today. Um, it seems like he gets through a couple of the innings in the beginning of the game. Um, the, this last time out, he only struck out three. I think um, had really low whiff numbers on his on his pitches. Um, but he seems to go through getting ground balls, getting fly ball outs and then really starts attacking hitters later in the game. Um, there was a, a, I know a game that I, I guess I, I can't remember that what it was, but I think he struck out something like seven, eight, nine guys in a row. Um, almost struck out the side basically um, between like the fourth and sixth innings. Um, is there anything that you were seeing out of Tristan's uh, pitch mix or sequencing mix? Um, I grew up being a, a Greg Maddox stand and, and, you know, there's legends of him looking at pitchers, looking at guys in the, uh, in the clubhouse saying, well, I threw him this pitch cause I'm going to get him to roll one over the first base in the fifth inning. And that exact same thing happened. So I, I'm not trying to proclaim that for McKenzie at all, but, um, do you think there's anything to what I vaguely remember, uh, about, how he's uh, attacking guys and, and getting just some of these longer outings by limiting his pitch mix early so he can attack guys later. Off the top of my head, I cannot confirm or deny. If you had tossed me that one pregame, maybe I would have looked into some of his videos and looked up some of the more specifics of the season. Um, now I, I'm definitely uh, of the school of pitch mixing and having that be successful for you. I don't know if McKenzie is sequencing super, super well right now. Obviously that comes down to him and uh, I think Maley's actually been catching him. Um, he did. He did this week. I think that's, I think that's a plan that they've been doing for this year. Yeah. Like how, they had, how they had Bieber with uh, his catcher for yeah. last couple of years. So I think Maley's catching him right now, which is, is fine. Um, but I don't know if he's sequencing super, super well, or if just purely by the eye test, his last couple of starts, it's been his slider and his curveball that have been really, really doing it for him, uh, in terms of keeping guys off rhythm. Like when Tristan's got that good 12, six curve going for him, then he's almost untouchable. And that was the case his last time out. He didn't strike out everybody, but 
he got several whiffs on that curveball, and when guys did make contact, they either fouled it off or beat it right into the ground. Right. So that's kind of the key to his success. He's such a weird guy with velocity, and I don't understand him in the slightest. He's a guy this season that's averaging 92.4 miles per hour on his fastball. Fine. Mitchell did a really nice pro- profile on McKenzie early in the season. Uh, I think after he piggybacked out of the bullpen in the, in the opening series about how, yeah, he may only throw 92, 93, but his limbs are so long that that ball is closer to you when it leaves his hand than any other pitcher in the league. Right. So it has some perceived velocity, but we've also seen a start this season from McKenzie where he was throwing the fastball 98 and the slider 91. I don't know what to make of the guy half the time, but all I know is that he's been very successful and it's a joy to watch him. Yeah, he's he's become appointment television. Uh, and um, my wife uh, this week was trying to schedule out some of our life a little bit more with toddlers and saying like, uh, if you uh, can put some games on the calendar so I know which ones you want to watch, I said, well, they're on every they're on every day. But it's not feasible that I can watch baseball every day. So I started just putting McKenzie starts on the calendar as uh, I need to make sure I am at least around a, a TV or an iPad um, and watching watching those starts. Um, as I mentioned, uh, this Tristan's staff ace and Bieber was the opening day starter. Um, reports of his death seem to be exaggerated at best. Um, the old... Uh, is it Monty Python? Uh, I'm not quite dead yet. Oh God, I just quoted something, but you probably have no idea what's going on. You're quoting something that's older than me, but I have seen Monty Python. I just okay. cannot remember off the top of my head. I guess I thought it was Monty Python. I'm not quite dead yet. I'm feeling quite well. That's been uh... I mean, when you put it in that voice. That's absolutely Monty Python. But yeah, that's okay. Okay, that's what I was thinking. I'm like, that's was. I was 98% sure, and, I, and all of a sudden I went to Mostly Dead from Princess Bride, I think is what my brain did. You, so. you started me down a different path with rumors of my demise have been greatly exaggerated, but now now you've got me going down different rabbit holes, and you done listen, derailed podcasts. Listen, listen, I host the way I host, and it's and it's chaotic at best. <laughs> I am I am chaotic good on the alignment chart. That's just where I lay. That's where I lie. So, uh... History is complicated. The story of human progress is long, messy, and riddled with controversies big and small. On Conflicted, we dive headfirst into history's most infamous events and contentious figures. We try and untangle the good from the bad, the facts from the fiction, and the monsters from the misunderstood. Was Genghis Khan a murderous butcher or a civic pioneer? Did the Allied powers go too far in firebombing the German city of Dresden at the twilight of World War II? And how did the Marquis de Sade acquire such a sinister reputation? And was any of it true? These are just a few of the tough questions we wrestle with and investigate on Conflicted. So if you love history or just enjoy a good story, Please join me, your host, Zach Cornwell, for a fascinating new topic each and every month. Conflicted, a history podcast, is available on Spotify, Apple, 
or wherever else you get your podcasts. I hope to see you soon. Um, 17 Ks, his last two starts for Bieber, uh, 24 whiffs on his pitches uh, against Detroit last time out. Um, still working with the limited velocity, barely got it over 91. Um, what exactly is happening with Bieber? Uh, and as I said, obviously, um, I mean, I think it was last time we were talking, we were looking at Bieber as being dead and gone and no extensions and Daniel Espino is going to come up and, and be the savior. And all of a sudden Bieber's, uh, you know, like I said, got 17 Ks his last two starts and whiffing 24, you know, throwing 24 uh, pitches past uh, Detroit Tigers. Um, What is, uh, it is, was it simply just that it was an early, too early to tell, or is there something that uh, we're working with Bieber here? I mean, there's still absolutely something going on. And he's still a really good pitcher. I, I think even without velocity, he's still going to be capable of outings like his last time out. Whether that's going to be consistent or not, we still don't know. Uh, but I'll, you know, I'll start with this tease. This may be coming to a grievance room podcast near you soon. That I wish somebody would just tell us what is happening with Shane Bieber. That'd be nice. You know, half the staff was out with COVID last week. Carl Willis was interim manager, and from watching a couple of the pregames and listening to the coaches show, you got more insights into the pitching than you normally would because Carl Willis is the pitching coach. And I heard more about trying to infuse, you know, Zach Zach's athleticism into his delivery than I had heard all season, other than just looking at him and being like, you're not pretty to watch. So mm-hmm. Bieber himself hasn't said anything. The staff hasn't said anything. The organization hasn't said anything. So they're just giving off this air that they're not concerned. But we can all see it. Now, Bieber hasn't lost enough velocity that he's got to go full bender wizard like Danny Salazar had to in his one start back from injury. Danny Salazar, now in the New York Yankees system, as of last week, drives me absolutely insane to think about that. But, you know, Salazar was a a flamethrower, and after missing... What was it two full seasons with an injury came back throwing 86 and was just throwing slow curves and sliders and trying to force whiffs and ground balls and you got one start went like three innings and the team said we've seen enough so yep, he's not that. quite that far gone in terms of velocity 90 91 is still useful if he can locate um his his last start out started really rough and it seemed like he didn't like the baseballs um yeah, I don't know if I've ever seen a pitcher throw away that many baseballs in a start that um, that an umpire kept throwing back to him, and it looked like it was really bothering him early. He could not get a pitch down to save his life those first three innings, and then he finally seemed to get a couple he liked and settled in and struck out 10. But I just wish somebody, Bieber himself or somebody in the organization, would be like, hey, he's recovering from a tough so- shoulder surgery. He did the rehab but he's still kind of rehabbing on the fly. Give him a hundred innings. He'll be himself again. But right. without anybody coming out and saying that, 
the red flags and alarm bells are still ringing in my ears. And yes, he had a good two starts. I still don't know what Shane Bieber I'm going to get when he takes the mound next week. Or this weekend, rather. Right. And yeah, and that's kind of, I I agree with you. I I would love to see a continued, um, the, the whist continue. But uh, it's just not the the guaranteed week in week out um, time in time out production anymore, um, or at least hasn't been for the season. It, it may be working there, and it, God bless us if it is. But um, right now, that's just doesn't seem to be what uh, what we're working with uh, with Bieber here. So uh, let's hope to the broadcasts. You don't even get you know. Andre Knott, Matt Underwood, Rick Manning, Tom Hamilton, Rosie, they're all around these guys constantly. You get fun nuggets every now and again. I have not heard a peep about Shane Bieber. Andre gets these guys to talk. I, I gotta hand it to Andre. Uh, everyone's, when I listen, when I am actually able to watch a game, um, I, I swear I hear like just random stuff from Andre. He gets them to, he gets these guys to talk more than anybody. And like you said, nothing about Bieber. Just yeah, he, completely he's not even like a sideline reporter anymore. Like he's on the broadcast all game. Yeah. Like he has a hot mic and he just talks to the guys during at bats. He's talking right. to players while they're standing on third base. Right. It's incredible the things that he gets. Yeah. But and nobody still, is and still saying nothing. anything. Yeah. And I mean, and then as much as we might wish and want them to, they're not going to, but you know, we can hope us and dreams. So, um, Last bit of talk, then we'll close up for the uh, close up shop for the night. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, Aaron Savale is going to go to the IL with a left glute strain. That literally means he has a pain in his butt. Um, so uh, he strained that left glute in his last start. Um, he had a really awkward play where he was going to his left off to first base. Um, kind of slipped, like tried to shovel the ball over to first base, and he threw, I think, two or three more pitches, and then um, came out of the game after the end of the inning, and um, was holding his left leg up near his butt. Um, so, it, not sure that they did make the move retroactive. Um, that came today, uh, retroactive to the twenty second when he played last. Um, so we will see how long that will be. I have not seen any kind of projected timeline for how long he'll be out. It's possible it'll be just a start. Possible might might be, who knows, a month. We ne- we never know with this training staff. Um, Connor Pilkington is uh, scheduled to be the starter tomorrow uh, in Detroit. Um, there has been no move announced with Savale going on, so there's nobody that uh, is scheduled to come up. Um, Obviously, like I said, Pilkington is not with the 25-man right now. So it looks, you know, that looks to be the move. It, it could easily be just a one-in, one-out. Um, it's possible they could be getting rid of... Tomorrow might be the day U-Chang goes away or Ernie Clement goes back down. Who knows? If they want to have somebody piggybacking with Pilkington. Um, I don't actually know. When was the last time Eli Morgan pitched? Um, he's been the one that they've been trying to hold. They've been trying to use him while also keeping his uh, 
possible length of the starter. So, I mean, we've, we were talking private side about who would be the guy. And I, oddly enough, I used Savali when I asked this question, um, who, if somebody misses a month, who do they go to? And, and Pilkington, Battenfield, um, are the guys that we talked about, but we also talked about Eli Morgan coming and being the long, uh, long guy. Did you see when he last pitched? I actually have not checked it out to see. I asked Mitchell and Bodie this uh, either earlier today or yesterday, um, but it wasn't that long ago. I think they said late last week. Um, but amongst the rain delays and me having not physically watched a bunch of games live recently, it feels also, like forever ago. Right. That's also true. I forgot that, uh, you know, we've been pitching through, playing through, uh, Bond zooms, it seems. So, uh, pitch semi recently. That was asked yesterday against Cincinnati. So that was last Tuesday, Wednesday. Okay. So, so about a week within the last week. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, he hasn't had any time to, he hasn't had anything to go, but he also would be five days rest, six days rest. So possibly, probably a, a situation where they piggyback Pilkington with, uh, Eli Morgan tomorrow, um, maybe as a way to figure out who's actually going to get the start and who's going to get the 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 back end side. So, um, what do you think about Connor Pilkington as the starter? Is there somebody else who deserves it more? Um, is there? Do you want to see Eli Morgan starter, or do you want to see Eli Morgan stay in the bullpen? Eli Morgan bullpen, 100%. Um, We've already seen it. He's really effective in the short stints with the increased fastball velocity paired with that nasty changeup. I'll I'll continue to die on that sword. But, you know, it it dips so quickly after about two innings of work. I'm fine if they want to piggyback him or pilk with him one way or the other so that he's only working two or three innings and then turning it over to the actual bullpen. I I think that's... Is there something with Pilkey back? That sounds that sounds rough. We're, I'd we're be trying editor. to work a, trying to work nicknames here. Editor, no. Um. <laughs> There's an edit spotter here, so we're trying to call call for a cut. I'm gonna pay one. Um, it, it's you know it, it's obviously going to depend on Pilkington too, because I think his last start against Toronto, we kind of expected this to be the case. And then he settled in and had a really good game. So you never know what you're going to get in these situations, but I, I do think Eli is better served in the bullpen. I know there's a lot of people who still want to see him start, but I, I've just seen so much more that I like in the shorter stints than in, in trying to make him go four, five, six innings. Yeah, I, I don't mind Eli being a two-inning fireman. Uh, I do like... I do like what I've seen from him as a single inning reliever. Um, as you said, the, the increased velocity from the bullpen has been nice from him. So um, I'm okay if they keep him in the bullpen. Pilkington actually, like, like I said, I do remember that he 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 started out rough and then ended up saving the bullpen. Went six innings. Um, his last his last go around when he was up before with the COVID issues uh, with Quantrill and everybody. So um, 
I'm okay with it. Um, I'm excited to see if there's... I really, really don't think they're going to do any kind of Daniel Espino, the one and only Logan Allen, uh, coming up for a long period of time, especially because it's just it's too early in the season yet. But there is, you know, we, we can't help but, uh, but hope and dream as fans of these of these guys uh that they get they get the call but um if pilkington is with the team for the big club for a long period of time um that is something we can watch for see if they move um toao logan allen up to columbus move daniel spino up to columbus actually he is on the il right now isn't he with yeah he's eyes. shelved right now yeah so maybe maybe Allen, maybe Xavier Curry moves up to Columbus and gets a taste of some of the bigger innings. Um, you know, you don't root for injury, obviously, and you want your guys back quick. But in an extended time for Pilkington in the major leagues could see whether or not he's got it. Could also and also gives the ability to maybe move one of those guys up and and do I mean. Let's face it, the rotation in Akron is filthy AF. And, I mean, it, I think Bodie said it best. If you are if you go to an, a, an Akron Rubber Ducks game and, you're, and the starter doesn't throw 10Ks, you, you probably can ask for your money back at this point in time. Um, so these guys are, are really kind of just hitting the, the tops of what they're able to do, and, and they need more more challenges so it's not at all surprising if some of these guys start looking at getting moved up but um so i mean this is this does present an opportunity for guys like i said like xavier curry espino logan allen um gaddis moving some of these guys up and and seeing if there's what they have at the next level and seeing if there's uh, an opportunity there for uh movement so Anything on Pilkington on the high-end pitching that we have in the minors? And then we can cut out. Just, I'm way more excited about our double-A rotation than the triple-A rotation. So, pretty pretty exciting stuff down there. The future is in Akron right now. I don't think too much of it is in Columbus at the moment in terms of arms. But it's getting there. It's close a lot of these guys are going to be knocking on the door by the end of this season. Yeah, I'm excited to see if, um, as, 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 as has been mentioned, they don't the, the, the organization doesn't generally skip lanes, skip levels too much. So if we are to see a Daniel Espino or a Logan Allen move up and, and in the rotation next year, um, they're going to need some time in AAA. And so... This is an opportunity. We don't want Savali out to be to be out long. He was actually just starting to come back into his own, getting his velocity back and doing that uh, Turbo Hendrix as a uh, kind of reference where he was getting a little bit of strikeouts on his and mixing pitches. But um, you know, we the want to back- will say it's fake, but Savali threw a hundred and eleven mile an hour sinker <laughs> last week. <laughs> I was showing my wife that chart of the just. Un- just absolutely ridiculous fastball that he threw. That obviously was a mistake, but uh, 
the Ben Joyce eat your heart out that you texted in the group. That was uh, <laughs> that was that was amazing. That one that one got me. That one got me for real. So um, that is going to be it for us for tonight. We are past an hour, and I am getting loopy because it's eleven o'clock at night. So um, for Ethan, for myself, for waiting for next year, um, take care of yourselves. I say it every week. I really do mean it, guys. Uh, take care of yourselves. Take care of your loved ones. Uh, and uh, we will uh, see you back next week. All right. Take care. Don't you know that you're a grown-up? I'm a grown-up. Me too. Yep, me too. But you know, these days, being a grown-up can really suck. Luckily, we're grown-ups who grew up in the coolest generation. We had video arcades. And also some of the best TV and movies ever made. We lived the origin of awesome consumer electronics. The list goes on and on. Yep, Generation X. Exactly. And we're Gen X Grown-Up. Every week, the Gen X Grown-Up podcast explores media, tech, toys, games, and more from both yesterday and today. Through the eyes of Generation Xers who absolutely love that stuff. You can find us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Or find us on our website, genxgrownup.com. All right, you think that was good enough? I I hope so, man. I'm tired. (laughs) Who listens to a promo on a podcast and then goes and listens to a different podcast? Right. I've never done it. (laughs) I know, right.